0: Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 169 and I am coming to you from Hawaii. Hawaii. Hey yeah, man, it's been cool, we've been here in Maui since uh, Saturday, the plane ride was awesome, got a ton of writing done, uh, also got to read some of Duncan Ralston's In Every Dark Corner, which is just six, six or so short stories and then screenplay at the end, will talk about that in a little bit, but the plane ride was awesome, so in addition to being able to read a little bit, six hour plane ride, I got a ton of writing done. Uh, didn't even, I usually plug in, uh, listen to music, something like that. But I was able just to focus with no uh, no sound, no nothing. I just went into writing, got a lot done. So I would say, I'm, I'm about, right now I'm at about chapter 13. So I've done a little bit more along the way. But anyhow, that's been good. It's been good to develop that. Once I got here, it's been a little bit more difficult to write I'm trying to die in the Wild West because all I'm hearing all day long is a surf. I know yeah big <laughs> big time problem i don't feel too bad for me but um yeah so that's been a little bit difficult trying to uh you know fall into the setting or whatever try to picture it i like to for for the western i like to do lots of the writing when i'm in my sauna It's super hot i can think about being thirsty and just those circumstances it's a little hot here but it's also beautiful and relaxing so um but yeah i'm happy with what i have accomplished on that end and that's really all i've done this week i'm just chilling trying not to i'm posting like once a day on social media that's it getting off of it leaving my phone in the room as much as possible Uh, it's been nice my wife and i have been doing yoga together they have yoga at seven in the morning um sunrise yoga whatever it's been gentle uh one of the days was a little difficult but uh not very but it just felt really awesome so we've been enjoying that i think we did that three days one of the days we couldn't do it because the kids have had surf lessons but that was a lot of fun too because and it surprised me because the idea of you know an hour and a half lesson i was like man that, that should give me lots of time to do my writing and so I brought my writing down with me, but once we got down on the beach, all I did was watch the kids, uh, brought up the phone a couple times to record them when they got up, you know, and we were actually surfing, Uh, but it was nice just to watch them with my wife and to be present, and then when my son heard that, he was surprised, so it kind of felt like shitty dad for all the times where I'm not paying attention, where I'm not spending that time. But uh, yeah, it was really nice. And he, when he later saw that I had recorded his first time getting up and actually surfing uh, and hearing his mom cheering for him and you know, I was saying something too, that made a big deal to him. And he was really excited about that. Uh, yesterday we went snorkeling. That was super cool. My daughter decided not to. She wasn't feeling so good because of the boat. But uh, the three of us, my wife and Jake and I, loved it. Uh, So we got some pretty cool pictures doing that. I didn't see the sea turtles. They did. Uh, But I really enjoyed it. It got a lot of swimming in. It was cool swimming with the fish, diving down. Uh, So a lot of fun doing that. We decided not to do one of our, the big day adventure, the road to Hana. Uh, A lot of people had said we should do it. I was thinking it wouldn't be a good idea because just the amount of driving and knowing my kids get car sick and i was like ah, i don't know i just don't see it being a good thing um the night before we were supposed to do it my wife had the same realization and we just canceled it so uh we decided not to do that but it was also like a great uh, great thing to talk about with the family Like, look, that just wasn't right for us so even though we lost a little bit of money by not doing it or whatever lost a refund um that was the right decision for us so we had to weigh the pros and cons, and this is what we did. This is what we wanted to do for our vacation. So uh, that was that. And, uh, yeah, today was surfing. Uh, my wife signed me up for a lesson to do it with my daughter while my son was off with another guy. And it was not so good. I got up really for a half a second, maybe twice. Maybe a little bit longer than half a second. didn't feel like it. So, but I was okay with it. Got a little banged up. I was okay with that too. I was like, yeah, that looks cool. Uh, i got to see blood. Uh, but the surf wasn't great i just wasn't any good at it this is my first try so i would like to try again it was cool for uh you know i think just good to show the kids like hey i'll try it if it works it works if it doesn't doesn't the same thing with skiing i tried skiing before that was awful i won't try that again surfing for sure i would especially on my own it's like okay now i get it now it's just gonna be practice now it's balance. um and all that. So that was cool. That was fun. It was definitely tiring. Uh, I need to do some more yoga because my body's hurting. I think tonight we have a luau to go to. Uh, tomorrow we'll probably do some bodyboarding or something. I think we might do zip lining. So doing a lot of stuff, trying to take off enough time to just to relax. Been spending been a lot of time in the room. First, we were feeling kind of guilty about it, but I was like, no, we need to just relax. It's okay to do nothing. You know, uh, I was telling the kids before we even came, you know, I was like, this is an attempt to try to adopt more of this kind of lifestyle where we're not always go, 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 because I know we are. And so it was nice to uh, to do that with them. Um, but so it's been relaxing. I think we have another two days. I'm about ready to go home and get back to writing. But the break has been nice. As far as reading, oh, so let's go into that. So in every dark corner, um, well, <laughs> yesterday, I mentioned my daughter wasn't feeling good on the boat she has read ghostland i think she's on ghostland 2 right now which duncan also wrote um and she wanted something she didn't have anything to read so i was like oh maybe she should read this and i was like i was like but just don't read prick don't read prick i was like you don't need to read the story prick um so sentient appendage terrorizes an apartment complex so that story is pretty disgusting but all these are really well done i enjoyed it the passion of the robertsons um really got a kick out of that one and the, what's cool is he, Duncan, added little notes about each of the stories, when he wrote them, where they were seen, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but probably my favorite out of these, the Where the Monsters Live, that one was really, uh, really well written, uh, hit hard. So, I think that is my favorite from these. Really cool read. Just checking him out. I haven't read anything of his that I haven't liked yet. So, that definitely says a lot. Next up, I am not sure how I will feel about my next author I'm reading. I'm about to read the Holy fucking Bible. That's right. Never thought I'd read the Bible, but it's the Holy fucking Bible by Matt Shaw. So I downloaded that because I am planning on having Matt on here to talk a little bit about, um, you know, as authors, how much should we share about our thoughts, whether, you know, whatever we believe in whatever we believe in strongly, should we be sharing it outside of our writing? How much should we share in our writing? Um, and all that sort of stuff. So I have never read him before. Uh, I, you know, I know his writing is probably similar to Duncan and Wrath White, And uh, so I'm excited to read. I'm looking forward to reading it, but I definitely want to read it before I talk to him. And I did pre-order his Roe versus Wade, which is how he got on my radar. So... That will be coming up. Um, Also, my co-author, Caitlin, I believe we will have her on the podcast either next week or the following. So got to figure out the recording schedule. I'm excited to get back into that, get back into interviewing more and more writer friends. I'm just remembering how much I enjoy doing interviews compared to just talking to myself. Uh, So I am going to try to do a lot more of that. I think we got some interesting stuff coming up so stay tuned for that um as far as writing on sale right now oh you could get 25 perfect days for free on the kindle july 7th through 11th so yeah pick up that if you like dystopians if you like horror that is a nice blend of both i would say that is more of a uh, i don't know maybe a harder read a smarter read Um uh, um, that sounds condescending but it seems like the people that enjoyed it liked how difficult it was how many characters there were like to try to follow along they enjoyed that so if that's the kind of stuff you like then i would say check it out if you want an easier book then skip this one because uh, it can get a little confusing oh speaking of confusing i had my first reader from india well i doubt she's my first reader from india but the first reader from india to write to me and she said she had just read morsels of Man, but had a question about the story stuffed and didn't understand him was hoping that i could explain it he was telling her that a lot of my stories are open-ended you know just so the reader can take it how they want uh i'm always you know i have a, a very concrete idea of what i want sometimes i do want to be a little ambiguous uh but with stuffed so i wasn't sure if it was you know because She's from India and reading in English and how much of it maybe didn't translate over. Uh, But I was like, yeah, I I wonder how many other people have had that same problem with that story. Uh, I'd be interested in knowing. So I explained it to her. I'm waiting to hear her response. Uh, I think with the time difference, she was probably asleep where she still is right now. But that was kind of cool. It's always awesome to see where I'm getting new listeners, new readers, being able to connect with different people from around the world, that is awesome. Uh, to find out a little bit about them, that is super cool. So I do appreciate the emails. I appreciate the messages. Keep them coming. Keep the questions coming, too. Thank you for that. Now, on to what we should play for the end of the episode. Because I'm keeping this short. I got stuff to do. I'm on vacation. I'm not supposed to be working. I still have to write a newsletter. God damn it. But it'll be fast. It'll be easy. I'll have probably a picture to me eating shit surfing. (sighs) Maybe some swimming with fishes. I don't know. We'll see. Anyhow, I was thinking, why not just stick with the pandemic right now? Last week, I played the first two chapters plus a death scene. Hopefully, that wasn't too confusing to listen to. I think today we'll just continue with the main story. So I'll just play the main story through over the course of the next... I don't know, eight weeks, unless I come up with something better in the meantime. I'm trying to think of what stories you may not have heard. Um, so I'll look. I'll take a look at that. But in the meantime, we are just going to go stick with trying Not to Die in the pandemic. These, This would be the third and fourth section of the main path. Hope you guys enjoy it. Have an awesome week, and I will talk to you next week.
1: Later. So what's it going to be? Amy asks, staring up at me with puppy-dog eyes. I've heard you can't tell if someone is attractive if they're wearing a mask, but all it took was one look into Amy's eyes to see she has a beautiful soul. If I could, I'd spend the entire day with you, i tell her. But? But we shouldn't take too long. We don't need to give your dad anything else to worry about. Anyone ever tell you you're too nice? Other than you? So where to? I point to the table where our hallway connects with the one we'd come from. Scott, the security guard, and the Tex are a good sixty yards away, the creep watching over the buffet a little less than that. Amy lowers her mask, reveals a mischievous grin. Think they'll bust me? I do the same, enjoying the fresh air but feeling a little naked. We pile the extra boxes on the table and sit across from each other, me on the south side so I can keep an eye on the creep. I open my box. A bagel, cup of fruit, and some peanuts. Man, these are famine rations. This is going to force us all into fasting like monks, whether we like it or not, Amy says. We laugh and both tear into our plastic-wrapped mini-bagels. A bald guy with a black mask and dark jacket walks up to the creep at the corner. They talk for a few seconds before the bald guy disappears down the hallway that runs alongside the cafeteria. She asks, Think it'll be this bad for lunch? The peanuts are dry and disappear faster than I'd expected. I say, I hope not. My dad could eat all of this in a minute, she says. I just say, Yeah. Because I don't want to think about my dad, how sick he might be. His voice echoes in my head. I've had a splitting headache, along with the other flu-like symptoms. Did your mom start with headaches? I ask. Amy nods, shovels in a spoonful of fruit cup. Can we not talk about this? I say I'm sorry and polish off my box of apple juice. She says not to worry about it, picks up her peanuts. I check on the creep, but it's the six men walking past him into the side corridor that gives me a chill. I haven't seen that many adults together since the cruise started, and definitely not since the pandemic hit and if they were a family, they'd be one motley bunch of brothers. Amy finishes her food and closes her box. While well, that was underwhelming, I hope she just means the food, but I realize I'm being weird. Come on, I'll walk you home. She pulls up her mask and points down the side hall. There's a trash can. I slip up my mask and follow her. Hey, your shoe's untied. Amy hands me her box to throw away while she bends down to take care of it. Wow, all those years of lacing your skates has paid off. You just might be the fastest shoe tire I've ever known. Amy switches to her other shoe. I'm afraid that's about all I've gotten from it. All that work and our season's over before it began. I help her up and say, There's always next year. Before she can think of her coach, I add, I'm happy running with you to help you stay in shape. She says, thanks, but what I really want to do is get on the ice. Such crap that they closed the ice rink. Don't they say the virus thrives in the cold? That's what they were guessing, but who knows what they're saying now. I lead her back to our table for our boxes. Well, at least the batting cages are open. Amy kicks the bottom of my shoe, making me take a ridiculously long step. Yep, at least there's that she says with a giggle. I pick up my boxes and say, "'Plus, I'm not so sure I believe you about the whole hockey thing. "'There's a 60% chance you're just messing with me. "'She piles her boxes on top of mine, "'so I have to use my chin to keep them from toppling. "'Then I don't believe you're a designated hitter.' "'Why?' "'You don't look like you can hit,' Amy says. "'I mean, you're very cute and all, but you are pretty slim.' "'Ah, come on,' I say. "'You should know it's not about that at all. "'It's all about knowing just the right spot to hit the pitch, "'and then, boom, right over the stands. "'Okay, Derek Jeter,' she says. "'Tell me another one.' "'Jeter's the perfect example of what I'm saying.' "'She leans in and says, "'I know, she's playing with you. "'So, do I get to carry these for you the whole way?' "'She takes the top two boxes.' I wouldn't want you tiring out your precious arms. The creep's not at his corner and is nowhere in sight. The doors to the side hall where the group walked appear closed. Have you seen them close hallway doors before? Amy follows my gaze. Don't think so, she says. Seems like it'd be a fire hazard. I say, something's off. She sets her boxes on a table and starts walking that way. Well, let's find out what. I throw my boxes on top of hers. We're just past the cafeteria doors when Amy freezes. She asks, What was that? I didn't hear anything but keep my mouth shut because she's listening for more. There's nothing. She says, Sounded like someone yelled. Probably just some kid. Something crashes and there's a short shout. No doubt it's coming from the other side of the closed doors. I say, It's got to be those guys. Amy says, Come on, someone might need assistance. I spin around, the checkpoint with the security guard and techs a good 50 yards away. We should get help. Amy walks toward trouble without me. This security is closer. Time to make a decision. To go check out the noise, go to Chapter 7. To yell at the people working the checkpoint for help, go to Chapter 8. Everything is silent, except the creaking ship and Amy's footsteps. Hold on, I whisper, catching up to her. You stay here while I check it out. Amy shakes her head. We stop outside the closed hallway doors. It must have been fish breath. Telling her about the other group I saw won't help any, so I take hold of the handle and open the door wide enough for us to squeeze through. The hallway is empty as far as I can see. No strange noises either. I'm crouching behind Amy like we're mismatched ninjas sneaking toward our target. I tell her, ''This is ridiculous.'' ''No,'' a voice says out of nowhere, cold and precise, ''Don't resist.'' It's coming from straight ahead, but no one's there. Amy presses up against the wall and moves forward, stops a few feet from the window. ''Where is this footage kept?'' another man asks, with the hint of a Boston accent. ''Don't be a hero, Greg.'' The guy says, sounding like Coach Harris when he's pissed. If you don't do as he says, he'll make your life miserable. There's a quick rip, and someone cries. Ow! It's all on that computer. Greg says, his voice shaky but calm. Where? Right-click the blue icon, Greg says. The other blue one. Top folder. Today's date. Deleted, the Boston guy says. How do I turn all recording off? The red button on the bottom. That's a good boy, he says like he's talking to a puppy. There's a curtain covering the inside of the window, but there's a big enough crack for me to see through. The stinky creep from outside is behind the desk with three security guards, who are standing at attention, hands behind their backs, names proudly embroidered on their chests. There's another guy back there with them, but all I can see is his spiky red flat top sticking above the computer. There are another three guys in black, but they all have their backs to me. All three security guards have their face shields off and masks pulled down, but Michael and Hal have duct tape covering their mouths. Greg, the oldest of the bunch with graying hair, has an angry patch of bright red skin on his cheeks where the tape had been pulled off. The only one who looks hurt is Michael, the big guy on the left, his nose lying sideways, the front of his polo stained red. The guy closest to me with stringy black hair that hides the collar of his jacket walks up to the counter. Can you make an announcement to the ship from here? He asks, his voice low and gravelly. Greg shakes his head, a bead of sweat flying off his forehead. Only the captain. Amy tugs on my sleeve and whispers so low I only hear her mumble. The black-haired guy who reminds me of Professor Snape without the accent says, ''Is there anything else we'll need?'' Greg says, ''You have access to everything with those.'' Black Hair sets down white room cards on the counter. ''Everyone takes two. he says. ''Falcon, Chicken, and Rooster also grab a master key from me.'' Counting the redhead, seven men take the cards off the counter. The guy with the short mohawk that just grabbed his silver key must be Rooster the stinky guy from outside, either chicken or falcon. Black hair stops the last guy who barely comes to his chest. Chicken, what the hell are you doing? The tiny man has deep lines carved across his weather-beaten face. He runs his hand down his thin goatee and licks his flaky lips. What you mean, Crow? Your mask. Chicken points at the floor, then nods at Michael with a broken nose. Talk to Mr. Wannabe Cop. Crow shakes his head his stringy hair swishing back and forth. He brings up a black one-handed crossbow, aims it at the guards. Chicken holds up his hand. What are you doing, man? I thought we weren't supposed to kill the crew. The crossbow arrow smashes through Michael's forehead, his teary eyes open and vacant as he crashes to the floor. Greg and Hal scramble, but there's nowhere to go. Falcon getting between them and looping an arm around each of theirs. No, Chicken. Crow says, nice and slow, his aim swiveling to Greg. No, the rule was no one sees our faces. The arrow blasts through Greg's forehead, an inch above his eye, but he's still very much alive and screaming. Crow says, Vulture, shut him up. A giant of a man with a belly as big as his chest runs behind the counter and brings the man down, muffles the scream. Hey! someone shouts for my right. The guy's tall, mid-twenties, white polo, security badge, and Jason on his chest. Nothing but a tiny flashlight and a pair of handcuffs on his utility belt. He yells, "'What are you doing?' Amy tells Jason to shush, but he's not having it, arms spread out like we weren't going anywhere. I go back to the window, Crow's face all I can see, his dark eyes so evil." not an inkling of joy swimming anywhere inside his ocean. Time to make a decision. To run past Jason and find Officer Downing, go to Chapter 9. To convince Jason to escape with us, go to Chapter 10. To run the opposite direction and hurry to my cabin, go to Chapter 11.